Welcome to the Should Have Bet More podcast presented by Gold Boys. Coming up on the show today, the hitman from covers, from the hammer, from pregame. You hear him all over the place. One of the best NFL betters, handicappers there is. He is the king of preseason, the king of props. So excited to talk to him. We'll get his thoughts on all these games, how he approaches the NFL postseason, just betting that in general. Uh, and we'll get to the coaches. I'll finish w- with the coaching stuff. Obviously, Belichick, Saban, Pete Carroll, a huge last couple of days in terms of the coach news. So I'll talk about that later, but we'll start here with the picks. It's one of the best times of the year. One of the best weekends of the year, Wild Card weekend. It was great. Even when it was just four games, now that you get six, you could say it's a little overkill. You don't need these seven seeds in these conferences making it. There's probably some truth to that. These seven seeds have not done well. It's only been around a couple of years, but these seven seeds have not done well. You get a lot of Pittsburgh, Kansas city from a couple of years ago. You get a lot of dead seven seeds, but excited to have the games i got a picks i've got picks and strong opinions on a couple a couple i'll just give thoughts on we'll go through them uh we'll start here cleveland and houston cleveland down to a two-point favorite total 44 and a half it's in that teaser range the threes were there for a bit now they're gone to me i I would take the points i'd rather take the points the home field and the better quarterback with houston obviously cleveland's got the much better defense it's in teaser range a lot of people are going to tease houston with dallas that all texas teaser you tease through the three and through the eight, both ways, or through the three and through the seven, both ways, I should say Dallas is at seven. So it would be a lean to Texans. It's interesting. Again, these teams played Christmas Eve. Browns killed them, but that was no Stroud. That was Case Keenum. Amari Cooper had a huge day. Remember, the kicker got hurt for Cleveland. Sometimes that works in the team's favor when the kicker get hurt, gets hurt because forces them to be more aggressive, forces them to go for it on fourth down. It takes bad decisions out of their hands. It doesn't give them an option to make a bad decision. So... We look for more of a different game. I would look for a closer game. I'm not crazy about taking the two here, especially when you could have had three. So it would be a lean to Houston uh, plus the two. And again, throw them in your teasers. I think that's a good bet. Chiefs laying four and a half against the Dolphins. The numbers don't get you to four and a half here. They just don't. There's not four and a half points of difference here. But the situation, the spot, the rest, the injuries makes this a play on Kansas City. Now, the number's getting away from you. It could have laid three, three and a half. There, I think this even opened one and a half or two. You obviously missed those, but Miami's so beat up. Hill was on the practice report for for injuries. He's been banged up the last month or so, missed a couple games. Remember, he came off the field that last play against the Bills last weekend, and Miami had to play Sunday night, and now they're turning around and play Saturday. In the cold, where Kansas City basically had a, a mini buy, they get Kelsey some rest. He's an older player. You get Andy Reid more time to tinker. We know his numbers off of a buy. Again, you're not getting the best of the number here, but I just I, I worry about two uh, two things. I think he's got two fatal flaws: dealing with pressure and dealing with the cold. And you could say, oh, well, he went to Buffalo last year, played pretty well. Remember, it was around Christmas, but that game it was supposed to be a blizzard. It's supposed to be all this wind and snow. It ended up being pretty mild weather. You're dealing with much different conditions this time around. It's going to be in single digits, negative whatever wind chill. I just, I have a hard time seeing Miami be able to move the ball. You could talk me into an under. We're down to 43 and a half. These teams played in Germany early November, and it was 21-14 Chiefs, and that's with a defensive score by Kansas City. So you're really looking at only 28 points of offense. So maybe the under is the way to go here. This is not a vintage Chiefs team by any stretch, but I'll I'll lay the number here with the Chiefs just based on the situation, the rest, uh, and everything with that. Steelers, Bills, we're down to nine and a half. There were some tens. This is a lot of points for a game where you, you could be looking at 50-mile-an-hour wins. You could be looking at a game where nobody could throw the ball. Remember, New England played Buffalo in the wind a couple of years ago Monday night, and basically nobody threw the ball. 
So maybe you look at the quarterbacks under passing prop. Allen's around 220 and a half. Mason Rudolph is around 160 and a half. Again, shop around, make sure you get the best number, but maybe the player props are the way to go. I could only look towards getting the points. If this ends up not being a mild weather day, you'd probably look to lay it with the Bills. Historically, it's counterintuitive, but historically, double-digit favorites have done pretty well in the playoffs because, you know, the reason you take points when it's double digits is you figure the favorite's not focused. They're not motivated. Well, in the playoffs, these better teams, they are focused. They are motivated. So if all things are equal, Buffalo is good for this number, but I just don't trust them. Allen's been so turnover-prone. They struggled with the Chargers. They struggled with the Patriots. I have a hard time laying this number with the Bills. It would be Steelers or nothing. Again, the weather's so important here. And the weather's still a few days out, so you don't know if you're getting perfect information. You don't want to bet this based on the weather. Then the weather doesn't go according to plan, and then you end up with maybe a bet you don't want. Cowboys-Packers, this is one I do have some conviction on. Cowboys team total over 30.5 is my best play here. Uh, there's even a prop, Jordan Love, to lead the weekend, this is at DraftKings, to lead the weekend in passing yards, plus 950. I just think we're getting a lot of offense. You don't have to deal with any weather here. I see a scenario where Dallas gets in the 30s, mid-30s, maybe even the high 30s, and Green Bay's playing catch-up, a lot of garbage time yards, maybe 40-plus attempts for love. I could see a scenario where this is just a lot of points. You worry about laying the points with Dallas because of the back door, but I think Dallas is going to get their points. They've averaged 37.5 at home. Green Bay, they're a middling defense, and when you look a little deeper, there aren't that many good offenses in the NFL, especially this year. They didn't play a lot of the ones that are good. They didn't play the Cowboys this year. They didn't play San Francisco. They didn't play the Ravens. They didn't play the Dolphins, and they didn't play the Bills. Now you're going to get tested. You're going to go on the road here against Dallas. Dallas is going to gash them, I would think. They're down to seven, 15 and a half. I would look towards an over. Again, Dallas is a teaser. is a great leg. I worry about laying the seven. It's a little inflated. I can't bank Green Bay when you could have seven and a half. So Dallas team total over 30 and a half to me is the play. And I'm just going chronologically here. Lions minus three. I just, I haven't heard anybody pick the Lions. The Rams are so trendy. They're everybody's pick. Now I don't look at these betting splits and who's on the public, who the public's on and who this person likes, doesn't like. I just, I pick the games based on how I think they're going to go. I think the Lions are being a little discounted here. I just think this is a team that was almost a two seed. They've been the better team all year. They can stop the run and they can get pressure on Stafford, which is what you have to do against the Rams. I know I worry about McVay against golf. I get all that, but you do get golf indoors against the bad defense. Rams are not good on defense or on special teams. I just think the Lions, are, this is a little dismissive of the season they've had, the team they are. I think the Lions winning this game by seven to 10 points is a reasonable expectation here. I just think they've been completely overlooked. I worry about Laporta. You know, getting him banged up in a meaningless game, obviously wasn't great. He's a tremendous player, but they still have a ton of weapons. They have Gibbs, they have St. Brown, they have a good offensive line. I think this is a little dismissive here, this three now, and it is three. You can find plenty of threes, mostly threes here on Detroit. I think Detroit wins this game. I think we get a rematch of that Saturday night game, Dallas-Detroit from a week ago. And we'll finish here, Philly-Tampa. Boy, this is the game I want no part of. If I had to, I just, I can't lay points with this Philly team on the road, especially these teams met in week three. It was 25-11 Philly. It's funny. That game was on a Monday night on ESPN in Tampa. And this game is on a Monday night on ESPN in Tampa. That was 25-11 Philly, like I mentioned. And that was a late score by Tampa to even get that touchdown. Tampa didn't move the ball. But this is such a different Philly team. They are such a mess right now. Now, sometimes, like the Vikings had a season like this in 2004 when they were really good. The first half of the season, they were awful. The second half, they backdoored their way into the playoffs. Then sometimes you get in the playoffs, you hit the reset button, you say, hey, we're 0-0, zero and, zero, and, and you just start fresh. So maybe Philly gets a bounce back here. They are the better team. 
in terms of talent when they're healthy, but they're not healthy either. Smith and Brown and even Hertz are on the injury report. They've been awful on defense. I'd ideally like to fade both of these teams, but you can't do that because they're playing each other. When in doubt, take the points. I'll take the plus three. I'd look at an under, but Philly's just been so bad on defense. Baker is banged up. He was limping around last week against Carolina, a game they could have easily lost to Carolina. I'll take the three here. I'll tentatively take the three here. So the picks I really like are Lions minus three, Cowboys team total over 30 and a half, and Chiefs minus four and a half. The other ones are just leans. Again, with only six games, think about it. On a regular NFL weekend, you get 14, 15, 16 games. You wouldn't bet all of the games. It's the same thing here. You don't bet all six games in terms of side. You can bet props. You can bet player props, game props, teasers. There's different ways if you want action on these games. You don't have to bet all the sides. The sides, with only six games, they have a uh, the books have a way of tightening the lines where these lines, are, especially later on in the week, like early you could get some good lines, but later on in the week, these lines are pretty much massaged into where they should be. So keep that in mind. Don't go overboard betting things just to bet them. Easier said than done. I understand that, but fun weekends, fun weekend. Looking forward to these games and looking forward to our next guest, the Hitman. We'll go over all these games, his approach to betting the NFL postseason, player props, a lot more. That is next. This is the Should Have Bet More podcast. All right, we are back. Should Have Bet More podcast. Let's break these games down. One of the best in the business from covers from the Hammer Network here on pregame.com. It is the Hitman. Hitman, what's going on? It is the most wonderful time of the year. One of my favorite weekends of the year, Wild Card Weekend. How's it going? Happy to be on. It's going well. And uh, I'm ready to uh, get ready for Super Wild Card Weekend. You know, the more games, the better for the betters. All right, before we get to the games, any just general thoughts of how to attack the playoffs or the, the, the lines in terms of the spreads tighter? Is it more of a props um, weekend for you? Just general thoughts here, betting the playoffs. Yeah, to be honest, like for 99% of people, this will apply to, you probably want to look to bet the openers if you're looking to bet sides and totals. There's just not going to be much that happens during the week that's going to impact these prices. And let, let's be real. Like there's a reason that the limits are so high on these games. Like this is a pretty efficient market. If you do get an edge, it's going to be a half point, probably maybe off a key number, but it you're not going to get huge edges betting on sides and totals in these playoff games. I would definitely look towards the props. Now I will say that the prop market is probably a little bit tougher in the playoffs just because there's less games, which means there's more attention being driven to a specific game where I think that you can maybe get uh, an edge is that there's different markets that are being offered in the playoffs that weren't offered in the regular season. For example, like one of the big books out there, they were posting like season uh, playoff long stats. So like how many rushing yards will a specific player have for the entire playoffs? And then it brings like a bunch of strategy into it. Like you got to try to think, all right, what's the probability that they're going to play two games probability. They play three games. What do I think their lines will be? So like, that's just an example of like another opportunity that gets brought up in the playoffs. So you wouldn't otherwise have. So I think that if you're going to look to make money, look to attack some of the new markets that get put up that a lot of these books do not have as much experience pricing in comparison to something like Patrick Mahomes passing yards, which they've been pricing for 18 weeks this year. Anything you bet, anything you'd suggest, uh, suggest recommend. Um, well, it, a, a unique market that opened was DraftKings opened the, um, season long play, the playoff long player stats. 
And I bet James Cook under receiving yards, I believe it's in the low 70s right now. And honestly, I thought that was high enough to where I probably would have priced it probably in like the high 50s, low 60s. So I think that one, if it's still up there, which I believe it is, that one would be one of just the new unique markets. It's at one book only, but if you have access to it, I think that's just a good example of a play that I thought had a lot of value. And there's a, is there an angle to that one, or that's just, hey, that's mispriced based on your numbers, based on the season? It's just mispriced. Better. I mean, his 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 line for their first game against Pittsburgh is in the high teens, low 20s receiving yards. So for 72 receiving yards, I mean, it's pretty aggressive to think that Buffalo's probably going to have to play at least three games for that to happen. And even if he does play three games, I still think could be a small favorite to, to go under. So I, th and not to mention we have this wind game coming for the Buffalo Pittsburgh game. That's going to affect all the pass catchers in that game, running backs included. So yeah, I thought that that one ha had a lot of breathing room. Yeah. Down to 68 and a half, but that's uh, hey, if, you, if you're pricing in the fifties, that's going to, that's going to be a bet. So uh, that that sounds good to me. Let's just start with these games then, and you can give me a thought. Side, total, prop, go whichever way you want to go. We're down to two here in a lot of places. Browns, Texans. So the Texans have been getting bet. Total 44.5. They played back on Christmas Eve. The Browns won, but Stroud didn't play. What are your general thoughts here in this game? You know, when, when the line opened, before the line opened up, I thought to myself, I think Cleveland matches up really well with the Texans. Cleveland plays a lot of man coverage. They pressure the quarterback at the second highest rate in the league. And those are Stroud's two subsets where it's a big gap. It's a big drop when he, from his grades, when he's in a clean pocket compared to uh, pressured compared to other quarterbacks. And he's been a lot worse this year against man coverage. So I thought that the Browns defense matched up well. I thought that the Browns offense, they're throwing at 5% above expectation with Joe Flacco. This Texans defense is a pass funnel. So I thought that it was a plus matchup for Cleveland to throw the ball. With that said, the line just opened higher than I wanted it to. It just, it really did. So I just think that a lot of the matchup stuff that I think favoring Cleveland, I think that it's just, it's priced in. And just like to, to go back and think just a few weeks ago, Cleveland, this same game happened. Stroud wasn't playing, and the line closed 3.25. And right. now we're at two, two and a half, and Stroud is playing, and he's one of the most valuable quarterbacks in the entire league. So price kind of got away from me, but my initial lean was towards Cleveland. A lot of people will look at Cooper and say, oh, he had a huge game against them a few weeks ago. He'll have a big game again. You, you kind of go counterintuitive and say, hey, it'll be the opposite. Maybe look to find somebody else like Njoku because Texans, you figure – Every day they wake up, every time they go to bed, it's, hey, Cooper's not beating us like last time. Is that where you're at with that thought process? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And the guy that you would probably pivot to in that case would be Najoku. Najoku right now is at five and a half catches. He's went over that in every single game with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. The Texans are allowing, I believe, the third most receptions to opposing tight ends. So it's not something that I have bet, but if you were to to take that angle, I would think that it would favor David Njoku to to go over. Okay, um, and then Saturday night, everyone loves the Chiefs. We're up to four and a half in some spots here. Uh, tough spot for Miami. Total 
as 43 and a half. So the under's taking some money. Are you with everybody else? Just tough, too tough of a spot for Miami or is this line over overinflated here? Yeah. You know, it, it's going to be similar to the Cleveland game where I'm going to tell you that so much of my work, like would support Kansas city, the dolphins injuries, the weather for with a team from South Florida going to play in freezing cold temperatures in Kansas city. Uh, the dolphins ended the season. I'll have minus 91 point differential in their last six games. Only the Giants and Washington had a worse point differential this year against playoff teams. Just so much work uh, on this game supports Kansas City, but it's just priced into the number, unfortunately. Where, like, you look just a few weeks ago, Kansas City was home against Cincinnati, and they closed six and a half. And now, like, we're at the point where Miami is getting four and a half I mean, nobody believes that since, especially you look at year-long ratings, Cincinnati and Miami, two-point difference. It's not even a question. It's a way bigger difference than that. But So I just think that a lot of the, the anti-Dolphin stuff is just priced into the market at this point. I will say prop-wise, maybe a look at McCole Hardman to go over. Kadarius Tony's probably not going to play or be extremely limited in this game. Hardman has a lot of playoff experience. There's been some talk from some from some uh, Chiefs writers and Chiefs coaches that Hardman might be in line for a little bit more of a workload. So Nicole Hardman was the player prop that I was targeting in this game. All right, interesting. Good to know. Bills, we're down to nine and a half now. Those tens have disappeared to me. That's in seven-point teaser range if you want to tease the Bills down, if you have a book that lets you do those. Total 35 and a half. Where are you at here, Bill Steelers? You know, you're asking me right now on um, – Thursday where I'm at it might be completely different from where I'm at tomorrow. It might be completely different where I'm at on Saturday. This game is just all dependent on the weather. I mean, if this weather turns out to just, it's going to be bad. If it's just bad and like not horrifically bad, it might be cheap to where Buffalo has value. Like under normal weather, weather circumstances, I was closer to like 11, 11 and a half in this game. So I, I think that Buffalo would have had value. The, the Pittsburgh last year without TJ Watt, they were 30th in EPA per play on defense in seven games without him. They were fourth with him. He's arguably the most valuable defensive player in the league. So I, I was looking towards Buffalo initially, but you know what? Like if this weather's horrifically bad, like New England Buffalo bad from two years ago, I could completely change my tune and say 10 points is too much if both teams just literally don't have a passing game like we got to see two years ago. So this is a game, what I say right now, it's it's irrelevant. It's handicapping the weather. But I could go either way on it, to be honest. All right. Cowboys, Packers, Cowboys laying seven total 50 and a half to me. My, this is my probably my favorite play of the weekend is Cowboys team total over 30 and a half. I'm just, I'm confident they're going to get their 30 something points. I worry about a backdoor here with Dallas. The hooks are, are starting to disappear. Where are you at here with this game? Um, Yeah, both offenses, obviously a favorable matchup. I mean, Dallas did score a league high 3.2 points per drive at home, scored on 60% of their possessions, like, they outscored opponents by 20, 21 and a half points per game at home. So if I, I could see the Dallas offense angle, a little bit worried about their defense. Um, Green Bay's offense since week nine, third in yards per play, third in EPA per play. They're third in successful play rate. And remember, like this was with a lot of guys that weren't fully healthy. Like, and now you might get all your receivers back in this game. You might get the one-two punch of Luke Musgrave, 
and Tucker Craft in this game. Um, I didn't have much of an opinion, side or total, but I, I could see your angle looking at the offenses. And maybe if I was – I haven't been made props in this game either, but if forced to look at something, I could see myself being involved with a DAC over in like the mid-270s or something, passing yards. Yeah, I'm. I, I thought about love maybe leading the. They have all these markets like you mentioned. They have love like who could be the leading passer of the weekend. Love was like ten to one plus nine fifty on DraftKings. I could see a scenario where Dallas gets a big lead and and Love is throwing it forty something times and just racks up a bunch of yards and garbage time. So that's one uh, I thought was interesting. Uh, Lions laying three against the Rams. Look, I, I get your picks, so I know you took the Rams plus three and a half here. I should have I should have set you up better and let, and let you tell it. I feel like Detroit's being a little dismissed. Here, I feel like this is a little bit of a discount on Detroit. Make your case here for the Rams, and would you still play it at three, or do you need the three and a half? Yeah, I need the three and a half. You know, and I think there's enough out there. To be fair, I do think there's enough three and a halfs out there. Listen, like the NFL playoffs, like shopping for the best number, the limits at places are are high for these games for the most part. And if you just put like any effort in line shopping. Like you're going to be able to get like there's a three and a half minus 120 out there right now. Like it might be at one book right now, but you could get that on the Rams and that would be playable. That would be the the high. That's the most I can go to is laying 120 on three and a half. But I, I just think that the these are two pretty similar teams right now, at least power rating wise. Like the Rams offense when they have their guys together, which is the quarterback Stafford, Kyron Williams, Puka Nakua, and Cooper Cup, on the year there's 6.7 yards per play. It's 0.1 less than the league leading 49ers. And this has been a defense also that, you know, they're 18th in EPA for the year. They're 13th over the back half of the year. This Lions defense has been, excuse me, this Lions defense has been getting worse over the back half of the year. And then you add in the factor of how familiar Sean McVay is with Jared Goff. Like, I don't think that can be dismissed that McVay knows Goff better than anybody. So I, I like the Rams at three and a half, 120. Shop around. I would not bet it at a worse price than that. And th that that's where I would be on that game. Don't like going head to head against you, but I guess that's what. But we're not. Be. But you know, that's the thing. We're not going to head to head because someone like you, like you're not going to lay three and a half on this right. game. You're you're getting. You're going to play three. You're probably going to get reduced big on it. You know, or on find a, a cheaper three. money line. It's funny. I don't know how much live betting you do, but it, it's funny. You sit here and you look. Oh, two and a half. I wish I could get three. These games start, and if the team, you, you know, let's just say you're plus two and a half, and they're on defense, and they give up a couple first downs, the other team has the ball at midfield. The threes, three and a half. Now you lay a little more juice live, but those numbers pop up live betting. Do you do a lot of live betting? I do. Yeah, um, I'm big into live player props. I I do fairly well on those, and with the live betting, like you know how it is. It's all about like the biggest edge you can have is just finding something that algorithm is priced wrong. You know, especially I tend to find a lot of value in the end of game scenarios as well in the live betting. So, yeah, I it's a big edge. I mean, you're laying more big in the live markets, but the, the edges are definitely are higher because it's you against the bookmaker. It's you against the algorithm at that point. Right. Good, good point. All right. Last game. This is game, man. 
I, I want nothing to do with it. You could talk me into any outcome here. Philly getting blown out, Tampa getting blown out, either team winning a close game. I have no idea. I'd ideally like to fade either team. Philly laying a field goal, total 44. What do you got? Um, I, I would lean towards the under. You know, Jalen Hurts, We he was 20th in EPA per drop back against the Blitz. And we know that Tampa is one of the blitz heaviest defenses in the league. He obviously has this finger injury that he's dealing with now. A.J. Brown is banged up. Devontae Smith is banged up. Then you look at the other side of the ball, Baker Mayfield, like he threw for a season low 4.3 yards per pass attempt last week against the Panthers. Like who knows how healthy he is? He's banged up injuries to his ribs, an injury to his ankle. He struggled in the first matchup against this terrible Philly defense. Both these offenses being banged up the way they are, and for whatever reason, they Hurts hasn't matched up well against the style of Tampa. Mayfield was one of the only quarterbacks this year that really struggled against this Philly defense. Haven't bet it, but I, I would lean towards under 44. All right, that that covers it. Any other player props for any other games? Anything we haven't touched on? Um. If I had to give another out, I, I bet C.J. Stroud under passing yards. It was in okay. the mid two forties, but I think that was worth a bet. I think it's just it's a tough matchup. Quarterbacks this year have went under against Cleveland at, at such a high rate, and just the schematic style that Cleveland plays is um, not the style that Stroud flourishes against. So. If I had to have another play, I would give out. It would be C.J. Stroud under pass yards in the mid-240s. When you like a guy in a player prop, like you mentioned you like Nicole Hardman, will you dabble in first touchdown score, or those are those too juiced for you? Is the VIG, the hold, is too high for you? Yeah, I mean, I really never – the only way I'm playing, like, the first touchdown score and usually the anytime touchdown score is just – Something that I think the market's not accounting for, like maybe like I hear that a certain player might be getting more playing time this week. And I think with that information, I can overcome the VIG because the VIG is just so high. Typically that you're going to usually need just information or you have some type of edge on a player's usage that the market's not accounting for. Like, it's very rare I'm going to be playing an anytime touchdown on like Christian McCaffrey or, or something right. like that. So I will get involved with that sometimes. I'd probably say all season, to be honest. And I bet a lot of volume. I'd probably say I bet maybe 20 to 25 anytime touchdown scores a year. So that's like one a week or something, which for me is a very low amount. So it's something that I typically advise people to, to stay away from unless you think you, unless you have the type of edge that I described earlier. But I think that might apply to McColl Hardman this okay. week for the Chiefs. I think that he might get a little bit more usage than what, um, than what he's gotten earlier in the year. And for anyone that's not familiar, you are as good as anyone when it comes to getting information. You are the king of betting preseason. Your ability to get this information is this hey, you have sources and you can't really say, or is this all public and people just have to put the work in and follow the people on Twitter? Like, what is your process here for getting the information? Yeah, I mean, a decent amount is having sources, people that get good information. I know you yourself, you get very good information. Um, A lot of it, to be honest, is just knowing where to look, like grinding Twitter, grinding certain websites, forums, like whatever it's got to be to just, 
finding stuff. It's a lot of reading. Like I'm not a guy that is developing models for these games. Like I am just that more old school grinder that's reading up and finding as much information as I can. And I've been fortunate to meet some others that get information and have just done a good job through experience knowing the where, where to look for that information. So that's one thing about like handicapping the games. Like that's tough modeling. That could be tough, but you, you know, information's tank. If you have good information, like you're not going to lose when you're, when you're betting in the long run. Hitman, you're the best. Let everyone know where they can find you. Appreciate that very much. You can find me on Twitter at Hitman428. All right. Appreciate it. Anything else to promote? That's it. Hitman428. That's You'll see all my stuff okay. on there. That's right, where you got to go, though. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, this was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully, we'll do this again real soon. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Before we bounce, should talk a, a minute about these coaching moves. And, man, what a day it was. Uh, Wednesday into Thursday, it's just it's sort of eerie with all the similarities between Belichick. You call him the greatest NFL coach of all time. I know it hasn't been good the past few years. You could call Saban the best college coach of all time. They're obviously linked together because of their age, all the championships. They coach together in Cleveland. The fact that the same day or within a 24-hour period, they're both out. Now, they're both going in different directions. Saban, I would think, you know, he'd probably go to college game day or something. That show could certainly use a boost. That show has not been the same in recent years. Corso getting older, McAfee, not my cup of tea. I mean, that that, that show could use uh, a makeover. I would think Saban probably goes there. I think that would make some sense. Belichick, and, and we can talk about who would replace Bama. It's really, it's a great job, but man, you want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaces the guy. You want to be the second guy. You don't want to be the guy that replaces Saban. There's such high expectations. There's such, man, it's just, it's almost impossible to succeed. It's almost impossible. Unless you go there and win a national championship right away, everyone's going to say, oh man, you're doing a bad job. You're not succeeding. You're not living up to what you, you should have done. They're always going to be going, coming for your head. If you don't win within the first year, the first two years, it's just such a high, impossible to meet standard. So here's the thing though. I don't think, I don't think Saban just woke up Wednesday morning and said, you know, he had lunch, he had breakfast and he said, Hey, I'm going to just move on here. I'm not going to be the coach. I think this was in the works for a long time. At least, you know, there, there were rumors and, I, and Chris Felica, the bear talked about this on the, uh, the Fox, the bear bets podcast. He mentioned that there was a hot mic in the sec title game against Georgia and the mics picked up him saying something to Kirby Smart when Kirby Smart said, well, congratulations, you deserve it. You had a great career. So there have been whispers, I guess, that this has been out there. So you would think he didn't blindside Bama with this. You'd think they've been working on a replacement, and they reached out to that replacement and have something maybe under the table. The natural fit is landing, I guess, because you know he's the, the, the up-and-coming coach, even though he doesn't really have any connections to Bama, which can be overrated at times, having that connection to the school. Colin Coward reported, I think he tweeted this out, that he somebody he talked to said they've had their eye on DeBoer. DeBoer, I guess, hasn't signed an extension with Washington, so DeBoer maybe makes some sense. Good offensive coach. Again, I mean, those are huge shoes to fill, but you could do worse than DeBoer, the, uh, the, the Washington coach, so maybe that's the direction they go. Belichick, I, I guess Atlanta. I mean, it, doesn't sound, it sounds like Harbaugh to the Chargers. I just Again, this is just reading the tea leaves. It sounds like Harbaugh's going to the Chargers. You wouldn't think Harbaugh would leave Michigan to go co coach a team with no quarterback. I think he knows better than that. Belichick, it's interesting. It's almost like when Brady left New England. Brady, You have to go somewhere that ready to win now because Brady was 40, 41, whatever he was. Tampa had a good roster. All he needed was to plug in the quarterback. 
There's not that other team. There's not that win now team, but you need a similar situation where Belichick's not going to be coaching five years from now, six years from now. You want to go somewhere where you could theoretically win within the first two or three years. And Atlanta at least makes some sense because you got the skill players. You got a pretty good defense. Now you don't have a quarterback. You're going to have to either sign the cousins of the world, draft somebody, figure something out, which is, hey, there's not enough to go around. So that's not that easy. At least you have some skill to work with on offense. Boy, it's strange. Isn't it strange to just picture Bill Belichick, the Atlanta Falcons head coach? That's very odd. It just, the saying is that nothing lasts forever. Father time is undefeated. This is a perfect example because Saban, Belichick, those are guys, even though you know it's not logical, you just assume Belichick's going to coach the Patriots forever. Saban's going to coach Alabama forever. It's just very eerie, very surreal that neither of those guys is going to be coaching the team going forward. But I guess Atlanta for Belichick, I don't want Belichick to go out like this too. I mean, he's too good of a coach. I don't buy this idea that it was all Brady. I mean, the early years of Belichick and Brady, it was really more Belichick than Brady. Brady just got him into field goal range a couple times in that first championship. Vinatieri made the kick in the snow. You know, he got him into field goal range in the Super Bowl. It was, I, I think Brady only scored one touchdown, threw for one touchdown that entire postseason run. Remember Bledsoe came in that AFC title game. So Belichick and coach. Now, he lost his fastball a little bit. He's 72. Maybe that's possible. I mean, he is 72 years old. But I don't want to see him go out like this. I don't know that he can walk into Atlanta and just you know win right away. But you'd rather be in the NFC than the AFC. It's at least a softer, a softer division. It's a softer conference. You don't have to go against the Mahomes, the Burrows, the Herberts, the Allens. So at least he's in a better perspective in terms of that, better situation in terms of that. So I guess that's the the logical fit, the Atlanta Falcons. But sad to see him go. Some of the coverage has been a little over the top. I mean, ESPN is acting like these two guys died. I mean, they're just, they, they stopped coaching. It's been a little somber, the coverage. It's been a little over the top, given the obituary for these guys. But just wanted to mention, you know, the the the, uh, the, the coaching news. And Carroll, who's a borderline Hall of Fame coach, I guess he would get in. You know, he won two Super Bowls. He went to two Super Bowls, won one, lost one. If he just didn't throw the interception on the goal line and they got in the end zone and they won that Super Bowl and he won two, he would be in almost certainly. Only winning one, losing another. I'd say he's 60-40 to get in, but uh, not not a lock by any stretch. And, of course, he goes under the radar Wednesday. He hangs it up, or not not hangs it up, but he's out as coach. It wasn't clear whether it was firing, whether it was mutual, whether it's stepping down. You get the sense, same thing with Belichick, when they say he's out as head coach, they do it out of respect. Hey, you've been here a long time. You won a Super Bowl. In Belichick's case, you won six Super Bowls. We're not going to fire you. We don't want that out there as a sign of respect, as a sign of appreciation of what you've done. So maybe it was just, hey, it's like anything. It, it comes time to move on. And when you're in your 70s, like Carol and Belichick are, and you know, neither guy's won a playoff game, and Carol hasn't won one since 2019 season. Belichick won the Super Bowl in 2018, hasn't won a playoff game since. When you go half a decade without winning a playoff game at that age, it's part of it. So Carol was a shocker just in terms of, Nobody had really talked about that. Nobody had discussed it. It's not a shocker looking back like, hey, his age, they haven't been great lately. Maybe it's time to move on. That's not a total shocker. So just wanted to touch on those, but that'll do it. Enjoy the playoff weekend. Thank you to the Hitman. This is one of the best weekends of the year. So hopefully we can uh, we can win some games here together. Tread lightly. I mean, these games are, are lined properly. There's a few I like. There's a few I'd stay away from. So enjoy the games. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. The numbers have been good there. So Good luck on all the games. See you Monday.